Hello, everybody, and welcome back once again to the Great Scott Podcast. Today, I am joined by Jim Hanks. He's the brother of legendary actor Tom Hanks. He's also an actor, a voice actor, a director, a producer, and a camera operator. How's it going, Jim? It's going just fine, thanks. Was that an accurate description of you? Uh, yeah, 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 I've done all that kind of stuff, yeah. You've done all that? Yeah, I would, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, <laughs> so did you know from an early age? I mean, so I, I look at all that, and that's that's a lot of stuff to do in, uh, in in entertainment. Did you know from an early age that this is what you wanted to do? No, not really. Um, uh, no, I kind of got sucked into it uh, because of my wife, actually. Uh, you know, um, when I met her, we were living in Sacramento and uh, she was doing professional theater up there. And when, shortly after we got married, uh, she, you know, she was wanting to go somewhere and try to make a go of it more where, you know, you can't make a lot of money as a professional actor in Sacramento, unfortunately. So uh, yeah. we, we, we thought about where we wanted to go and we finally decided, well, you know, Los Angeles is pretty much the place we had thought about a couple of other places, but uh, at the time, uh, L.A. was definitely the only place to really make a serious go at it. And um, uh, and when she, we got down here, I kind of got sucked into it. I had really no desire to do it because for a lot of different reasons. Um, uh, Tom was already pretty, uh, you know, was very successful by that point, but uh, I didn't know. really have much of What's that? Well, was he doing Bosom Buddies already by that point? Oh, he'd done Bosom Buddies years ago. When I moved down, he was really well established. Um, he'd already done Splash and a couple of other oh, okay. things. I think, I think he'd already done nothing in common. Oh, uh, yeah. When we moved down, I remember uh, Punchline was just coming out. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, he was he was big. Uh, I didn't really have much of a desire. I didn't know much about it. Um, and then um, my wife worked for a uh, uh, her first job was a receptionist at a, uh, a talent agency. And the owner of the talent agency found out who I was related to, and uh, uh, kind of you know kind of got, you know, said, hey, man, you want to try this? No, oh, okay. And, uh, <laughs> uh, ultimately, uh, worked, he put me in front of people I should not have been in front of at that point. <laughs> I was I was ridiculously green. And, uh, but he did, the one thing he did well for me was he introduced me to uh, an acting teacher who I have, I have remained with ever since. I've been going to this acting teacher for close to 30 years now. And, uh, and I, I'm just really comfortable there. Maybe, maybe, maybe too comfortable. Uh, but the way he, the way he teaches is more of a workout. You know, you get up and you, you know, it's all cold reading. You go in, you get a script partner, whatever. And then you, and an hour later you're doing it. And it's one of the best things that I ever did for my acting career. And that's because in this, in this particular indus, industry, 
being able to take something and, and make your decisions and execute it well within a very quick period of time is really what this whole industry is. Um, that's not to take anything away from, you know, good old fashioned scene study, but in this industry, you never have time to do scene study, you know, right. Scene study classically, you know, you see a lot of these, uh, classes where people are studying a scene for weeks and weeks at a time. And I guess, you know, it's, there's, there's value to it, but it's not very applicable to what you do in this industry because, you know, you're, you're constantly, you're on a set and things are changing all the time and you just have to be fast. And, right. and so that's, that's why I like it. I mean, to me, it's, um, and, and my acting teacher also, you know, he compares it to, uh, you know, going to the gym, you know, you can't, you can't go to the gym once and, and do a few bench presses and think, okay, that's it. That's all I have to do. You know, the acting is about remaining sharp all the time and being on top of it. And when I take time off, like if I go from vacation or something, I come back, and, you know, if I haven't done anything for a couple of months, you get really rusty, really fast. So anyway, that's what I do. <laughs> so uh, you were also, when you were younger, you were fascinated by by movies as well. You, you used to watch a lot of movies. So do you think that came from a uh, you maybe doing so well in this industry like like you've done has has been a uh, cause of that you watching so many movies when you were younger? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, you know, I think my my viewing the way I view things has definitely changed over the years. But I was very much into, you know, make believe and storytelling even back then. On, on, on in some ways, um, and I did have strong opinions on, you know, what I thought was good and what I thought was not. And um, and now, when I watch anything. Um, I deconstruct it. I mean, you know, really, like when I watch anything, you know, particularly with when I watch something that Tom has done, yeah, because I know him, you know, I, I, I can't. It's hard for me to suspend disbelief because I know him. You know, he's the guy who used to, you know, you know, used to tease me when I was a kid and things like that. <laughs> right. Um, right. So uh, you tend, I tend to deconstruct and really watch his performance and, and not really be able to enjoy it as uh, just a movie. And so usually if I watch something of his, I have to watch it a couple of times before I can just kind of let it go and watch it in entertainment. And that's basically what I do with everything. I, you know, when I'm watching anything, I'm going, Oh, how did, how did they, how did the camera do that? How did this actor get to that place? You know, or whatever it happens to be. And, um, you know, so, and then, and that actually has, my son has that because he has been watching movies like that from the day he was born because we would sit there and we would watch a movie and then, you know, my wife and I, and even him, even when he was young, would deconstruct whatever we saw and, and then, you know, kind of, you know, have our opinions about it. My son is actually really amazing in like when he was really, really young, I think he was like three and we had turned him on to uh, uh, Star Wars 
And he had a real connection to the, to the music. And I remember when he was like three, you know, really tiny kid. He said to us, okay, uh, Darth Vader's song is this. And so he went through all the themes of every character. And then he said, what's Han Solo's theme? Wow. And we went, holy crap. I don't think he has one. That's pretty, you know, and he was really young. And so anyway, so he's, he's even got that even more so. I mean, he, he's, he is really amazing to talk to about, about anything he's watched because he just tears it down to even, you know, the, the minutia. So, anyway, as you can tell, I'm proud of my son. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Especially at three years old. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. He had a, yeah, he was, he was, he really had an ear for music and still does. Um, yeah, he's, uh, it's pretty amazing. It's that uh, the music end of it is kind of lost on me a lot of the time. So I don't pay as, quite as much attention to that. Um, and, uh, yeah. So does he play music? Does he do live shows with music uh, around Los Angeles? Uh, he's, uh, he DJs, uh, and he creates his own music and he's been, you know, he's done, a, he, yeah, he's, been all over the place. Uh, he uh, was down in San Diego for years and doing it down there. And now he's he's up here in LA. And uh, yeah, he gets you know he's been he does it. He's been up in Portland and he does it all over the place. And, okay. Um, and yeah, and uh, he's a bit of a he's doing it at uh, uh, Burning Man this year. And yeah, love that stuff. So, so let me... a... oh, go ahead. Now, he's been kind of a uh, dabbling in music ever since he was a little kid. Oh yeah, yeah, it it definitely sounds sounds like it. I mean, if he's doing that at three years old, that's that's amazing. <clears throat> so um, so let me ask you. So since you do have a famous brother, um, and you're working in in the same industry, do people kind of expect you to be a certain way in in this industry? Are they kind of like do they hope that you like are exactly the same way as he is? What's well, uh that's a, a interesting question and uh, and and from my perspective slightly loaded um i think i you know, i don't know how to answer that um i believe that wow um well i do feel Uh, I don't know. Huh? I, I <laughs> God. Uh, let's see here. Um, well, being Tom's brother, and you know, and for your listeners, if they you know Google me, they'll see that I uh, have a, a physical similarity to Tom. Absolutely. And I cert and, and I and I certainly and I know I have a uh, a very similar voice. And so the one thing that I have come to realize in my career is that I have never had the opportunity to be a face in the crowd. Uh, whenever I've auditioned, I walk in and people look at me and I'm immediately compared to him. <laughs> and I, a couple of years ago, I finally saw a video where Tom and I were on the same video 
And uh, it's actually, it was a couple of years ago. My mother passed away uh, uh, three years ago. And uh, a year after she passed, I watched the video of the memorial that we had done for her back in my hometown. And it was the first time, strangely enough, after all these years, that I'd seen both Tom and I speaking on the same video and the same, you know, same setting and everything. And he was kind of emceeing the whole thing. And then I got up, I was the last person to get up and speak about my mother. And I was watching it going, holy crap, I'm, I'm distracted by it. You know, I'm distracted by how much I look and sound like him. And so I went, all right, I totally get it. I can see why people, why it's difficult to cast me because I'm distracting. You know, I am, I am very similar to arguably one of the most famous people in the world. And I get it. So, you know, you, so it's it's really difficult to cast me and not have me being distracting in some way. And uh, but I'm also you know I get a lot of offers of playing kind of where the the cheap joke is. Hey, it's you know this guy looks just like Tom. Yeah. Right. And I go, no thanks, I'm not interested in that. <laughs> so Absolutely. which is which is why you know going back to you know your quick little resume of mine is why I've done so many different things because I really enjoy this industry and I've had a lot of opportunities over the years to be in front of the camera um, but it's I, I you know because of that distraction I think is why it's really hard for me to get really good traction and so I just started doing all kinds of other things I do right now I, you know, mostly I do voiceover and I have a very, very specific niche in voiceover because uh, I do all the ancillary Woody stuff. And so I spend a lot of time trying to sound even more like my brother. And, 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 and I'm also, I also doing a lot more writing. I've done, a, I do a lot, right. You know, I've got a, several projects in the works right now on that on that, uh, on that, in that vein. And, um, and also, uh, um, working towards, um, in a, uh, kind of the early stages of directing a movie, uh, which would be my first feature, uh, done. I've directed a lot of shorts over the years and, uh, but I've never actually done a feature and, uh, I was approached about doing this one thing and it's a really interesting project and I hope it works out. Do you, uh, like directing shorts a lot more than say in, in actual movie? Uh, 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 no, my preference would be to do a feature. <laughs> shorts are great and shorts are, um, I, they're, they're, to me, I always felt like directing shorts was uh, a stepping stone to doing features. Um, you know, it's a lot less pressure, a lot less time, you know, right. it doesn't take as much time to do. It's easier to get people to commit to shorts. Um, you know, you can shoot out a short in a couple of days uh, while a feature could take, you know, months. Um, so, uh, you know, for me, shooting shorts was a way to, you know, create something and learn. Um, and so, you know, I started doing, I think my first short was in like 2003 or something like that. And, uh, and every short 
after that was a learning experience. I kept, I always kept uh, uh, adding different elements to it. Um, so I was constantly learning. There's a, you know, almost every short I've ever done, I've always consciously gone, okay, I haven't done this before. I want to, I want to add it, you know, and, you know, one of the first things was learning, uh, teaching myself how to do steady cam, And, uh, and I love the steady cam. I mean, I really, and it's especially in a short situation, steady cam adds an element you know, I love the flow of it, but it also speeds things up because I didn't have to worry about laying tracks and stuff like that. I should sure. just put the camera and where I wanted it and be able to follow people and not have to, you know, okay, we're going to do track here and then you have to break it down and move the track somewhere else and stuff. So I shot a lot of my shorts have been all shot on Steadicam just because I find it, you know, for me, especially when I'm directing something, I was, my doing the shooting helped with the fact that I didn't have to to describe what I wanted to uh, a camera operator or a VP. So, you know, it was all mine. And and the one, th- the, one other thing I found that really um, helped in shooting shorts, whether they were mine or whether I was kind of like, I came in and directed and shot for somebody else is that when a director is handling the camera especially on a hot day where i just be i'd be i'd be running steady cam and just be dripping sweat where the actors look at you look at look at you and go holy crap this director is working his ass off i cannot sit here and screw around mm-hmm. so just it it really made people kind of Go okay. This is serious. We're this is you know this is not just sit around and we've talked for a while and stuff. No, <laughs> if we don't get this going, uh, the director's going to pass out because he's, yeah. he's just he looks like he stepped out of the shower. Right. So, so it really helped actually. So also one other thing that I was reading about uh, with your bio is that you like shooting video underwater. Uh, you've started uh, doing that uh, kind of thing as well. I that's really where I started working with cameras. Um, yeah, my wife and I were doing a, where we were, uh, um, really getting into scuba when we first moved down here in the late eighties, early nineties. And, uh, and then we started, we were diving enough where we kind of went, you know, but you know, this diving's great, but I want to do something else. So we started shooting, uh, photography underwater and we did some, did some trips that taught us how to do that. And then I just felt it was too static and I wanted, I wanted, I wanted to do a video so I could, you know, follow fish and, you know, things like that. And I was just, you know, I just had a head for video. Um, and so I started doing that and it was, um, a great way to learn because it was so much more difficult. You know, you're underwater, you're dealing with all your stuff, you're dealing with surge and cold and, and especially around, uh, you know, Southern California, the water is green and, you know, you don't have very much visibility oftentimes. And, and then going down and using lights and learning, you know, crash course and color temperature and, you know, and the lights intensity and 
uh, all this other stuff. So when um, I I started getting really into the technical aspect of the cameras and just learning so much about that. And I started getting kind of a, a collection of cameras and I kept getting better and better cameras. And then that led to uh, people would come to me and go, Hey, Jim, you've got cameras. I got this thing I could use to help shooting. Would you mind doing that? And I went, Oh, okay, sure. So I started shooting people's other, other people's stuff. Um, and for some reason, a lot of people came to me needing help to shoot doc- documentaries. And that was shooting the documentaries was a really great way to learn cameras because you never had time. You know, it was always you're following people and you're, you're going from one, you know, literally, you know, from one room to another or inside to outside and outside to inside. And, uh, and you, I had to learn how to manipulate these cameras really fast. And I got good at it and where, you know, at first I wasn't very good at it, but after a while I could really make it look good. And so that was a big thing. I just really understood how to, uh, you know, manipulate the settings because you can't, I learned very fast. You can't just put a a camera on auto and hope it's going to look good. You you know, you know, uh, cameras, just like, you know, like driving a car, they don't, they react, they don't anticipate. And so that was the big thing. So, you know, I got to the point where I could, you know, manually, you know, change an iris or you know, whatever it happens to be very quickly knowing, okay, I'm going to walk under this light. I need to be able to switch something. Or if it's, if it's, you know, if it's an auto, it's going to do that weird blink and it's going to look crappy. And you know, anyway, so, uh, yeah, I just had the, you know, two forms of crash course op- uh, camera operating and, uh, and I was really into it. I loved, I loved reading about it and reading, you know, how everybody else was handling stuff and, and, um, and just, uh, getting better and better at that. And, um, I also believe Having done a lot of that stuff, uh, producing and directing and writing shorts really made me, I think, uh, a better actor mm-hmm. in, in that I know now when I walk onto a set, I know what everybody's doing on that set. You know, um, when we, uh, it's at one point, I only, I had my own little production company. I was kind of this micro production company that I had over the years invested in a lot of equipment. And so I learned, you know, there's, there's hardly any piece of equipment on a set that I don't get, you know, I know how to make, I know how to, I know how to set up lights. I know, I know lighting to a certain degree. Um, I know, I know sound. I mean, I had my own sound equipment, so I know what a sound guy is going through. And boy, let me tell you, the sound guys have one of the hardest jobs on a set. Yeah. yeah. And, and one of the most high pressure ones, because you, people generally don't 
monitor the sound that well and boy you get in you get into editing your sound is not good uh, screwed everything up so anyway i have a deep deep respect for sound guys i have deep respect for everybody on the set but sound guys are unsung heroes and usually the bane of everybody's ire on set going oh great sound is having an issue great great concern. <laughs> Absolutely. I get, yeah, I definitely get that. So, um, one other thing that I was reading about with you, um, is that, uh, your family had appeared on Family Feud when you were younger. Uh, I wouldn't say uh, that was, <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, when we, my wife and I first got to town, um, her sister was going to school at Long Beach University, Long Beach State or whatever that happens to be. Um, and she went, let's do, let's do, a, um, let's do family feud. And, uh, yeah, so I went, okay. So it was me and, you know, just family members, but for my wife's side of the family. Um, and it was, yeah, it was very fun. We won one round and, uh, then, uh, you know, didn't win the second, second round, but it was, yeah, it was great fun. Was it with, uh, Richard Dawson? No, it was with. Uh, Ray Combs. Ray Combs, okay. He was a very nice guy, and uh, and it was you know it was sad that he ended his life the way he did. Absolutely, he had a, a tragic, yeah, towards the end, tragic life there. Absolutely. So um, one other thing that I think that uh, my uh, listeners might be interested in, in knowing is that, and I also did not know this, but uh, you were the voice of Jeffrey the Giraffe for the Toys R Us commercials. Yep, I was. But uh, still to this day, yeah, that was uh, early 2000s to 2003 to five, I think it was. And to still to this day, the most fun job I've ever had. It was an absolute kick to do. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely grew up on on those commercials. Uh, I'm I'm 28 years old, so I definitely do remember those uh, when I was younger. And, uh, and that that's quite interesting. When I was reading that about that, hey, Jim did did this. That that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, yeah, it was definitely. Um, yeah, it was very fun. I remember going in and reading for it, and uh, the casting director, his name was Carol Kimball. Um, I went in and she had told me that they were on the second round. I guess they had gone through, you know, like every big voiceover guy in town and they just weren't finding what they wanted. And, uh, and I went in and did it. She said, you know, he's just a big kid who loves toys, but don't do anything different. Don't do any cartoony voice stuff. Just be really excited about toys. <laughs> That's easy enough. And uh, and I went to town and and I got the job and I was Jeffrey for a couple of years, and it was so fun. Be most, you know, I mean the the people who did it was uh, this uh, ad agency out of uh, uh, Chicago, and they allowed me to improv a lot. I would say on almost any one of those commercials, I did, we did a lot of, we did a fair amount of uh, television commercials, but I did a ton of radio commercials because uh, 
their TV commercials really only ran specific times of the year, you know, big, you know, before Christmas. And then there was usually one for like spring break. And then there was some for summer. And, uh, but the, 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 uh, the radio commercials were year round. And so I was, I was going in and recording radio commercials for them like every week. And, um, and I remember one specific time I went in and, and I'm looking at the scripts, you know, I don't know, five, six scripts. And on one script, the way they had it is that every sentence was numbered. So I'm looking at it and on this one script and line 17 was just solid hyphens across. There's no words, just hyphens. And I'm looking at it and I'm talking to him, you know, the phone patch to Chicago. And I'm looking at this and I said, so on the script, on the third script here, line 17, do you want me to try to come up with something? And they went, uh, yeah, we were kind of hoping, you know, we couldn't figure something out. We were hoping you'd come up with something. I went, okay, great. And, you know, and that was the kind of stuff, I mean, every time I, every time I would do a, uh, a session with them, I always did what was written like three or four times. And then, I don't know, I just, I just start in, interjecting things. And I one time, I was, we were, we were, you know, starting a session. I'd done it three or four or five times as written. And then I just started goofing off. You know, just, you know, I would say the line and add something or whatever. And then I remember they, and this is, this is this was a turning point for me with in my relationship with them because I started doing that and they, and they, you know, they were in the, you know, on the phone and they said, okay, great, Jim. We were, we were, you know, we, we, we were we were waiting for you to start you know doing your stuff because that's what we want and I went oh okay <laughs> so you know it, I always thought I was kind of pushing it and then when they said no we, that's what we want you to do and it's like okay here we go <laughs> it was you know it was really really fun I love that kind of creativity absolutely I mean uh, like I said I grew up with that and unfortunately now Toys R Us is, is now gone unfortunately but uh, and uh, so I definitely do uh, remember that and uh, I just I mean I I remember that from my childhood so so thank you for that yeah 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 well, yeah and uh, the the animatronics draft was very cool um, uh, Stan Winston's company did it who did you know predator and all that kind of stuff and when they were building it, we went down, I took my son and he was, I don't know, four or five. We went down to Stan Winston and saw that. It was just, you know, 16 foot giraffe they were working on. It was very cool. And I went to a couple of times when they were shooting and I just go on set and hear, you know, cause they taped me before and they, then they would, uh, this giraffe would be talking with my voice coming out of it. It was just such a trip. <laughs> So, uh, so so let's talk about your projects that you have coming out. Uh, you said that you're directing and you're also writing a, a few things. Yeah, I'm working right now on a polish on the script. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how much I can talk about it, but it's a it's 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 a it's a, a Vietnam era thing written by a guy. It's it's written by a guy and it's about his father who was shot down over Vietnam and it's basically the story of how his mother deals with 
the fact that he's you know missing in action and nobody will tell her what happened. Mm. And it's uh, and it's a, a pretty it's a pretty cool concept. Um, so I'm I'm working on the the polish of the script in that. Um, so and uh, the big thing that we have right now, uh, which I'm having to push back a little bit because of this, the other polish, uh, is uh, we have the uh, the rights to a book called Black Like Me, and uh, um, it's uh, a pretty big book. It's tough. it's interesting because uh, you know some people know exactly what the book is, and other people heard of it, and other people go, I've never heard of it at all. And it's about um, a journalist who, in 1959, um, is, you know, I, I hate to, don't give it justice, but he basically, uh, he's white, and he convincingly uh, transforms to, into a black man and walks through the deep south to find out what it's like to be a black man in the deep south and also and in, 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 he also really uh comes to terms with uh white privilege uh mm-hmm. and it's a, a really fascinating thing um and uh it, you know it's a, it, the, the book has been on college and high school reading lists ever since so a lot of people i have met have read it or and know what it is um, and uh, in his perspective, the, the author is, is uh, John Howard Griffin. Um, his perspective is really uh, interesting on how on how he explains it and how he sees what happens. So that's uh, that's um, that's that's probably the biggest thing I have on my docket right now. Well, they're both pretty, they're both big, right? But uh, um, yeah, <clears throat> and. Uh, any any ideas when they uh, when the projects will come out? No, no. Um, the uh, the the Vietnam thing is kind of early stages. Oh, okay. uh, and and the Black Like Me, we're still writing. So, um, I I have no idea. I would I would hope, you know, within the next two years. Okay. So, uh, Jim, I'll, I'll ask you one, one more question, then I'll let you go here. Um, what, what advice would you give to uh, someone who wants to get into the into the entertainment industry, like do voice or, or acting or even camera stuff? Uh, boy, wow. I mean, universally, it's just do it. Um, uh, you know, um, I have... I have friends I know who are now really successful and basically what they did was they just started by doing it and doing anything and everything. Um, you know, especially in, you know, and this is a great time as far as technology is concerned. Cause when I first got to town, you know, the only way you could really do something was shoot it on film. And that was instantly, if you were going to do, Say, if you were to try to do a feature on film back in the day, that was going to instantly cost you about 150 grand just for cameras, film processing, and all that. Mm. Nowadays, you have these great 
DSLR cameras. I mean, I've shot with the Canon 5Ds now for several years, and just out of the can, they look fantastic. You can really, really do amazing things, and even sound nowadays with the zooms and all the other stuff. You know, you can go out for literally a few thousand dollars, and now even lights are getting cheap. Uh, you can go and shoot stuff, and then you know you invest in this stuff, and you can shoot a ton of things, and you know not have to worry about renting all this equipment. And um, and you know it's just really about getting out there and not worrying about making mistakes. And because there is one thing I have noticed is that you go and you shoot something, you try to create something the mistakes are where you're going to learn. Your successes are great, and you'll repeat your successes over and over again. But in order to be interesting, you got to kind of keep pressing. you gotta, you got you to add challenges to everything you shoot. And, and the mistakes are going, oh, I, it's not just that, oh, I won't do that again. The mistakes are, are much more... Uh, much more uh, valuable in that you go, that didn't work because this, 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 and this. It's not usually just one thing that made the mistake. It's a, it's a combination. And you go, oh, I see. All right. And, it, and, you know, and filmmaking is not A, B, C, and D. It's a much more evolved equation. You know, with you know, with the collaboration, people in front of you, and the, and you know the, the the settings you're shooting in, uh, uh, you know, so there's a ton of things to think about. Um, and uh, to me, it's just if you, I, I've I've met too many people who have strong opinions, and then, and I listen to them talk about, oh, you know you know, have, you know, real, you know, disparaging words on things. And I go, yeah, yeah, but you didn't, you've never done it. So you don't know what's involved, you know? <laughs> and, and it's, and it's, and it's really important too, to go and see other people's work because it, it's not, it, it's a very, it's really educational to see how other people do things successfully and understand the limitations they had. And then also see how people didn't do something well and avoid those, you know, um, it's, it, you know, you, you can learn a lot by watching a Spielberg movie. You can, but you'll actually, as a new filmmaker, learn a lot more by going to some of these little film festivals and watch people not do such a good job because that's where you go. Oh, <laughs> I can see how it's done. Right. When you see how it's done wrong, it's really, really uh, valuable. And doing doing it wrong yourself is amazingly valuable. Do you like to go to film festivals yourself and 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 watch these guys as well? Uh, you know, sometimes. I mean, I certainly like to get out and uh, and support my friends. Um, and you know, it's. It can be a little uncomfortable sometimes when I don't particularly like what they did. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I hope I hope none of them are listening right now. Um, but uh, but I you know but even even then you just you know I know what it's like. You have you go into any any project 
and you want it to sing. And then, you know, you're under a time constraint and you end up having to shoot around stuff. I mean, I, that's happened to me pretty much everything I've ever done. You know, you start getting behind and you got to get out. You have a hard out on a location or whatever. And then you start combining scenes and cutting scenes and things like that. And uh, sometimes I've had op- I've had situations where sometimes those constraints had made me do things that I wouldn't have normally done, and they were great. And then other times you just go, crap, it's just as good as I could get it. So right. that's, just, that's part of the learning situation too. And uh, yeah, uh, yeah, just, you know, you just got to get out there and not be afraid of making a mistake because, you know, you make something and it doesn't work, then don't put it out there. You know, I've yeah. had that. I've, I've, I've had, I have a handful of projects that I have done. And when I started putting it together, I went, Oh, no, this is not going to work. And then just went, Oh, well, you know, unfortunately it was a waste of time for some people, but you know, they don't want this out there because it's not very good. So yeah, just shelf it. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jim, uh, thank you so much for appearing on, on my podcast. I definitely appreciate it, sir. You are welcome. My pleasure. Please do come back and tell us about your projects and anything you else, anything else you might have in the works sometime, will you? Okay. All right. Well, hopefully uh, you know, we can talk on the red carpet of black like me or something. Like that. <laughs> that, that sounds good. You, gotta, you, you have a deal. You got to have dreams. You got to have dreams. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Jim, thank you so much. Much continued success. God bless you, sir. And uh, thank you so much once again. Okay. You're welcome. Take care. All right. You too, buddy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.